morning, church. It's, uh, it's good to be with you. And I'm so thankful that, that we can be real and not have to, like, uh, not be fake. Anyway. Um, this morning, we are going to be continuing a series that we started last week. We kind of opened it up. We opened up this series last week uh, called Setting Life in Order. And um, if you don't know me or if you do know me, like, this is, this is the sermon series where I tell you all the things you're doing wrong with your life and how to fix it. Um, not, not really. That's not actually what I'm trying to do at all. <clears throat> this is a series that, that um, as we've made this change, as we've made this turn into a new year, there's sometimes where people uh, will get excited about setting New Year's resolutions. And they'll say, like, as a culture, we've turned a chapter, a figurative chapter, and we've gone from 2019 to 2020. And so this is an opportunity to reflect and say, what are the things that, that I might want to change in my life? And let me go ahead and take this brief opportunity that I'm being reflective and, and begin to change a couple of things. And so what I would like to do as we're going through this series is just look at a time where God was making a big change in this, not, it, he's making a big change, and what exactly what is he doing, and how did he do it? And are there any principles that we can learn from how God makes changes that we can apply to our life as we try to see if we can make changes? Right? So we're going to be um, continuing the, the thoughts that we, were, we, we began last week, and we're going to be in, in the book of Luke, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. So we're at the very, very beginning. We only covered the first four verses of Luke last week. Luke chapter 1, and if you want to follow along with me, and I think you will, it's on page 1066 in those blue Bibles. Page 1066 in those blue Bibles, um, which they've got... Uh, uh, big font, you can read it from space, so it's really, really easy for your eyes. <laughs> Luke chapter 1, on page 1066, and as I see that you guys are doing there, um, I'd like for us to just pause together um, and pray together. Would you pray with me? Jesus, there is no life that we have that's apart from you. You are the one who gives us true life. And so, Lord, we, we pause all of the things that are going on in our world right now, all the cares and concerns, and, and we just want to sit at your feet and hear the words that you've spoken. Lord, we pray that as we go through what may be a familiar story to us, Lord, we pray that you would help us to see it with new eyes. That, God, it wouldn't just be something that we've heard before, but, God, something that we needed to hear today. And that, Lord, you would continue to lead us and guide us. That you would continue to shape our hearts to look more like you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So, Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to read a couple of verses in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. In the days of Herod, king of Judah... Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So I'm going to pause there. 
If you recall with me last week, we studied, essentially the author of the book, we studied Luke, the guy who compiled all this. And Luke was a doctor who traveled with the Apostle Paul and took care of him on his missionary journeys. And we learned last week that a life set in order has Jesus at its center. A life set in order has Jesus at its center. And if, we, if that's the, the premise that we're starting from, why now are we talking about two old Levites? Because Jesus wasn't a Levite. Like, what, what, what is going on? So the, the book of Luke, this, this um, orderly narrative that he wants to put together, opens talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth. And they're a married couple. And essentially, the thing that we're supposed to take away from this brief paragraph is that they did everything right. They had the right family, and they stayed in the family business, and they served God faithfully. So they're, they're, so I don't want to get into all the politics of it, but there, there, were, <laughs> there were a couple of priests who were born in the right family, but then they would take wives from a different family, and that was actually not allowed. Like, if you were going to be a priest, you had to marry somebody from this same tribe, which is not how we think about things, but that's how things worked back then. And so when you read that Zechariah took Elizabeth as his wife and that she also was of that tribe, like, that just means, like, Zechariah was a guy who wanted to do things by the book. Like, he really, he really was invested in doing the right thing. He took the right kind of wife, and he served faithfully. Like, he really served, the, he served at the temple when it was his time, uh, which we're going to look at in a minute. Um, but other than that, like, he was a servant of the people. Like, he, he wanted to be somebody who helped point people to God. And in that kind of a life, which literally we might say is a life set in order, they've done everything right, there is this, this, this little barb, this thorn in the flesh, that Elizabeth can't get pregnant. She's barren. She can't have any children. Which for us, you would think, awesome, like that's, that's a lot quieter house. That's less dishes to do. That's less laundry to have. Like we would think, okay, great. Like I'm happy for you. But for, for, for their world and how their world saw things, if God didn't, they didn't... <laughs> They didn't think sex made babies. They thought God did. And so if, if, if God didn't bless you with children, then there must be some kind of secret sin that you're hiding. There must be some, like, you look like you've got it all together, but there must be something that you're hiding. Because God didn't bless you with children. There must be something going on in your life that you're not sharing. And so everybody, like, they, they got it together. They're righteous people. They're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to play by the book. And, and, and still, like, everybody just kind of like, oh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, huh? Because people do that. They're kind of mean sometimes. So, as it happens, the way the, 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 the priests worked is they actually worked on a shift schedule. And it wasn't hourly. It was actually, like, monthly. So... When they got called to serve, there was a block of months that they had to leave their home, wherever that was, and come and serve and live in the temple complex in Jerusalem. So we had to leave their family and go here. And like you'd think, oh, that's a bummer. I hate traveling for work. But for them, it was like this big honor because then they got to go and serve. And as the people prayed outside, the priests would take um, those prayers and they would bring, walk into the temple, and they would burn incense. And the incense wasn't like a magic potion that made God pay attention. Like, it was just, like, God, it's a physical representation, because sometimes we need to see how things work. It was a physical representation that the people are praying, and it's going to God. 
So he, he got to essentially bear in the prayers of the people to God. He got to be this kind of mediator. But I think this is really fascinating. As he's going, something happens. As he's going to bear the people's prayers, an angel shows up at the altar, uh, which, you know, not, he's maybe not excited about. Let's read those verses. In verse, I'm going to jump down to verse 13. Luke chapter 1, verse 13. So an angel shows up, and the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring to you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. So a couple things that I find interesting about this, like... (laughs) uh, he might be using company resources for his own benefit. Not really, that's a bad joke. But he comes in and he's like bearing, he's bearing in the people's prayers to the altar of God and lighting the incense as a representation that these prayers are going up to God. And the angel shows up and says, I, God heard your prayer. Zechariah, what were you supposed to be doing in there? Like you were, spo- you were supposed to take my prayer in there and you had a couple others. Like what? What is going on? Like, you, you go in there, and, and, and the angel's like, yeah, I heard your prayer, and your, your wife is going to have a son. It's like, Zechariah, like, you're supposed to be helping other people pray. Like, you're praying for yourself. And you're, but I don't want to get hung up on that. I just think it's interesting. <laughs> and as he's praying and he's talking to this angel, the thing, the thing how you know when a real angel shows up is, like, whoever the angel shows up to is scared. The angel has to always open with, hey, don't be afraid. I'm just a messenger of the Most High. No big deal. Um, so he shows up, and he says, Zechariah, I need you to know this. I've heard your prayer. God's heard your prayer. And he's going to answer your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth is going to give a son. And, and this is great news. Like, you're going to be excited about this, and all of your family is going to be excited about this. And he, God's going to use him. Don't let, him, don't let him drink strong drink or anything like that because he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Like, he's going to be special and he's going to be used by God. And by the way, you're going to call him John. <clears throat> so there's a couple of things. Don't miss that we, we talked about this with Joseph a little bit. If, if, a, if a firstborn son was not named after his father, then, then in their culture, they understood that to mean it to be an illegitimate child. So... It's weird. Like, he's like, okay, so how is this going to happen? Like, he doesn't argue about the name thing, but he's like, okay, how is this going to happen? Like, I'm an old guy, and my wife ain't a spring chicken either. Like, how is this even possible, angel of the Most High God? The angel says, look, 
I don't know if you heard of me. My name's Gabriel. I just left the throne room of God. I was standing in the presence of Almighty Creator of the universe, and he told me to come tell you this. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't mince his words. By the way, you're a priest. Have you ever read the Old Testament? Don't you know that when, when I showed up to talk to Abraham and Sarai, that they laughed at me too? Like, I'm really getting tired of these birth announcement things because this doesn't always go well for me. But like, don't you know that Sarai laughed too? And she was older than your wife? And she still had a kid? Like, you should know this. So you're going to keep your mouth shut. And uh, I don't know if you know any preachers, but telling preachers that they're not allowed to talk for a couple of months, that's going to (laughs) hurt. Because you question this, you're not going to talk until all of these things have come to pass. You're going to have a minute to think about what I said. And he walks out of the temple, and and people are like, well, what happened? What happened to Zechariah? Like, Zach, what happened in there? Like, you look like you've seen a ghost. And he's like... And everybody realizes something, something happened in there. What? what? And he writes it down. I saw an angel. Like, I'm not going to be able to talk. And like, I knew it. I knew there was some kind of secret sin. I knew it. And now, now he's brought my prayers in to the, to the temple. And, 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 and now the angel struck him dumb. Like, he can't talk anymore. Like, this is judgment from God. I can't believe that I trusted him with my, my incense burning. Like, you can see how this would go. They already were barren. But Elizabeth gets pregnant through the natural means that those things happen. And she keeps it a secret for months. She's, she, God, you've done this for me. Like, this is a blessing. And you, you've done this for me. And, and people are talking because that's what people do. But like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed because of this. If a life set in order has Jesus as its center, why do we open this story here? I thought we wanted to talk about Jesus. Why are we talking about John? Because all of this, angels showing up and messengers arriving, like this all has to do with a guy who's not Jesus. He's not the one. So why are we starting here? The angel actually is quoting from a passage that Zechariah should have been familiar with too, out of Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2, 17, and I'm, I'm just going to read this for you, so I need you to, to listen if you need to close your eyes so you can hear it better. It's cool. <laughs> and Malachi <laughs> writes this. He says, you, talking to the nation of Israel, you have wearied the Lord, you have wearied Yahweh with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? By saying... All who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? So God says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or launderer's soap. See, Malachi, as he writes, as, as he's putting this prophecy together, he's writing to a nation of people who have really forgotten God, which par for the course with the nation of Israel. But they, they had really become faithless. And, and, and just they were doing whatever it is that they wanted to do, 
and, and they just, if I did it, then it must be good. So, so Malachi writes, he says, you are wearying Yahweh with, your, with all of your talking. He's tired of hearing you talk. Ironic. He says, and they, well, how, how have we wearied him with our talking? You say that everybody who does evil is good. You're, you're calling what God has says bad, you're calling it good. And then when things don't turn out for you and, and the bad people that you have praised oppress you, then you go, where is the God of justice? I thought God was going to take care of us. You didn't do what I told you to do to begin with. So I'm going to send a messenger. I'm going to send somebody to prepare the way so that when, 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 when the Lord comes to his temple, y'all will be ready. And this actually isn't an unfamiliar picture for them. It's kind of weird for us. But, but um, we might call him a fixer. <clears throat> so Jesus' fixer, the, the guy who comes in before, uh, goes into a, a foreign country beforehand for a diplomat and tries to set up everything and make sure all the things in order, make sure he's got a hotel room, make sure the bed's made and everything's clean like and ready to go. Like, that's John. So, so God says, I'm going to send somebody who's going to correct you, and he's going to bring judgment, and who's going to stand before that guy? But before he comes, I'm going to send somebody to get everything set up and ready for him. So Malachi's speaking to a faithless generation, and it just makes me wonder about the parallels between what Malachi's saying and what's going on in Zechariah's heart. Zechariah wasn't a bad guy. He was, he was a church guy. He probably wore a tie to the synagogue. He knew all the hymns. He didn't have a problem with the new songs either. He just he liked the hymns better. He wasn't a bad guy. But his faith yesterday was not equivalent to the trust of God today. He said, he said God, I've been faithful to you all these years, and... But, but I don't understand, like, how are you going to do this now for me today? Our faith yesterday isn't equivalent to the trust that God is asking us for today. And Zechariah wasn't a bad guy. But God had never done this before. For me, anyway. I know it's a story. Like, I know, this, I know it's possible. Theoretically, it could happen. But today... It just leads me to ask, are we trusting God today? Or are we leaning on the faith that we had in him yesterday? Both are necessary. As we walk with God, there are things that we build upon. There's a faith that we, that we carry, into a, carry with us into a new day. But in that new day, the requirement is the same. Will we follow Jesus? So are we trusting God today? Or are we leaning on the faith that we had yesterday? And you might think I'm making a little bit of a stretch here, but, but, but there's, there's a contrast in this chapter I want to show you. So would you read with me Luke chapter 1 and verse 26? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favor one. The Lord is with you. <laughs> but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. 
And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative in her old age, or your relative Elizabeth in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You see, there's similar pronouncements here. The same messenger, right, shows up to both people and gives a very similar message, like there's going to be a baby. (laughs) And the old guy, the priest, like who is sexually active, goes, how is that even possible? And and the young girl, maybe 14, maybe 15, who's not married, who's never had sex, says, I don't really get this. And God says, I'm going to work it out. And the old guy who's sexually active is saying, this is impossible, God can't do it in his heart. He's he's saying, no, God, I don't trust you to to make my wife pregnant. She's too old, I'm too old, it's just never going to happen. And the young girl who's never had sex says, well, God, if you say I'm going to have a baby, I guess I better um, be ready for that. Similar pronouncements, but contrasting responses. Because setting life in order starts with taking God at his word. I'm going to go back to this one. Setting life in order starts with taking God at his word. We read this morning from Psalm 33. And it says, for the word of the Lord is upright. When God says something, like it's a good thing that God says because God is good all the time. But verse 1 starts with the the exhortation, shout for joy. And there are days, maybe you have them too, where when I think about going to the Word of God, the last thing on my mind is a shout of joy. God, I kind of already know what you said. I already know that I'm not like nailing it here. Uh, Do you really have to, do I have to read it again? But setting life in order starts with taking God at his word and having a response of faith that says, God, you you must, if you love me as much as you said you love me, then, then the times where I feel like you're screaming at me, maybe you're trying to warn me of some danger here. Of the times where I feel corrected and rebuked, like maybe you're trying to get me on a path that's gonna go better for me than the one that I'm on. When a father screams at his kid, it's, it's, not, it's not a pleasant experience. The dad doesn't like to do it, and the kid doesn't like to hear it. But if they're getting ready to step out in traffic, 
And the kid doesn't understand the danger. And sometimes the word feels harsh. The thing is, we're grown-ups, right? I mean, some of us are teenagers. <coughs> some, some of us are kind of grown-ups. We like to think we've got a pretty good perspective on the world. Here's just a regular reminder that I need to. You might live in the world, and you might have lived in the world for a long time, but you didn't make it. And when the one who made it gives you some instructions and tells you, I love you, I love you enough to send my son to die for you, then maybe I ought to pay a little bit of attention. And maybe my response ought not to be, oh, come on, God, would you stay out of my business? But to say, God, thank you for giving me this correction. I didn't know that there, there I can trust you that you're taking care of me, that you're, that you're watching out for my best interest, and it doesn't seem like this is too bad of an idea, but if you say it's wrong, then maybe I'll, then I trust your heart, and I'll stay away from it. Setting life in order starts with taking God at his word. So what is our response to God's direction? What is our response to God's direction? We read this morning in Hebrews chapter 10 that we, comp we approach God confidently. We can approach God confidently. We can walk and pray with God and talk with him. We can approach God confidently, not because we put deodorant on today. Not because we took a shower today. <clears throat> not because we even got up and talked to him for an hour before we did anything else. Like, there's nothing that can compel us to be able to walk into the throne room of the Most High except that God has said that he's made us clean through Jesus, and when God says he has made us clean, we are made clean. And there are days that I don't believe God about that for myself. There's days where I say, God, I know you say that you made me clean, but I feel really guilty about the thing that happened. I feel really guilty about the way that I responded to that person. And you, you shouldn't forgive me for that. He says, I've already done it. Stop crying about it. Setting life in order starts with taking God at his word. And while Zechariah is silent for months, Mary singing praises to God. So as we close today, I'd like to read her song. A virgin who heard an impossible thing would happen and said, I know the God who will do this. Would you read with me as we close in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, he has scattered 
the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Setting life in order starts with taking God at his word. Would you pray with me? God, it's hard. We, we didn't ask to be born. And we just kind of are here, and we're trying to figure it out. And we think we have some kind of perspective on how the world works. And when we read things that you've written through your servants that seem like they don't fit right, or they, that's not what we want to do, God, we want to question you. And God, you're good. You don't have a problem with our doubt. You have a problem with our doubt corrupting our trust in you. We can ask you hard questions, and you'll answer them. But Lord, in the day that we stop asking, would you give us a correction? Lord, would you help us as we seek to figure out the best way to follow you in any given situation that we face this week? And there are many. Would you help us to rest in the forgiveness that you have already freely extended to us and to walk in the trust of you as you set our life in order? It's in your name that we pray.